Welcome back to the Drew and Judy show. We're going to be previewing the college football season today. Both of us are big fans. We grew up in the South and it's tons and tons of fun. And you're missing out if you're not a diehard fan who watches 12 hours of college football every Saturday. So we're excited to talk about our favorite teams, some of our predictions and whatever else comes up in the conversation. So without further ado, let's cue the music. right before our classes start and right before football starts as well. How are you today, Drew? I'm doing well. Classes have actually started for me today. Oh, that's August right. Today, you're August 24th. One of the early starters. I start later because my university has a weird quarter system. So I still have, I think, two more weeks. I'm a little lucky because Sam got started the week before this one, so... <laughs> That's early. I guess Virginia Tech was usually a little bit later than other universities. They started around now, third week of August. Yeah, I feel like as you go a little further north, um, you get later and later in the start date. It mostly depends on like winter terms and stuff like that and whatever. I don't know. We, we don't make the rules for that. But we had to record this podcast very soon and edit and hopefully get it up very soon because we have some week zero football games coming this Saturday. We're recording this on August 24th on Wednesday. And most of the week zero games are pretty much not watchable unless you're like me and have no life when it comes to football. The biggest one is going to be Nebraska at Northwestern, but it's not actually at Northwestern. It's going to be played in Dublin, Ireland, 1130 a.m. kickoff on Fox. That's a flashback back to like 2011 Notre Dame season. <laughs> yeah, we know how that one. Actually, no, it was the next one that went poorly yeah, <laughs> at the very end. But it should be a fun game. I think Nebraska fans will be uh, have some nervous anticipation for that one because their head coach is on the hot seat looking to turn things around. The rest of the schedule, though, for week zero, uh, pretty lackluster. We do get some Pac-12 after dark. It's a Vanderbilt at Hawaii action. Oh, <laughs> that should be interesting. Um, and we get, a, we get an interesting SEC. Wyoming at SEC. Illinois game. <laughs> I mean, Vanderbilt is garbage. They lost, what, 27 to 3 to Eastern Michigan last year in like week one. And then went like 1 and 11. I mean, but, Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's chilling. I know, I know they're in the SEC, but they're, oh, they're just raking in that TV deal exactly. money. Like, Get them out of here, man. Replace them with a team that's going to take football serious. Like, come on. Just free wins every year. They're like guaranteed 0-8 in conference all the time. (laughs) But anyway, for those of you who don't know, I am an Alabama fan, a very diehard Alabama fan. I have been rooting for that school since like the 2003 or 4 season in my very early years. So I knew the dark days before Nick Saban. I'm not a bandwagon, but I have a lot I can say about the Crimson Tide. I'm also a secondary fan of the Virginia Tech Hokies because that's where I did my undergraduate. I recently finished there last year. They are not nearly as good, and they got a new coaching staff. And then uh, Drew's got his favorite teams as well. Why don't you introduce them for us? Sure, if you don't know already, Obviously, go to Clemson University, so that's my number one. Uh, that's where I am now. And I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. My dad went there, my aunt, my dad's sister, and my grandfather on my dad's side went to uh, Notre Dame in South Bend and for, for undergrad for their various um, degrees of study. My grandfather went all the way back to the days where it was a um, all-male military institution, and then uh, my dad went, I think, for political science. And um, what did Aunt Julie go for? Obviously, she ended up. All right. I could be wrong about this. And apologies in advance, because I know you're listening. I think it was an economics degree. I think. 
I but think you're right. She said she changed her major like a half a dozen times. So then you're probably at least half right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my best friends from Virginia Tech named James, who is one of the nicest people I've met in my entire life, actually went to high school with him too. He changed his major, I think, like seven or eight times in the first two years. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but he found something he really liked. It was like, maybe I'm, this might have been the fifth time he changed it instead of the seventh. But I know he was really into criminology, and I think that's what he ended up sticking with. But again, sorry, James, if you're listening. I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> That's a lot to keep up with for sure. But yeah, back to Notre Dame um, and my connection to them. Obviously, huge family ties to Notre Dame. So I grew up rooting for them, um, watching football games most Saturdays in the living room. Or we even made the trip all the way like 12 hours to South Bend from Alabama uh, a couple times and got to, you know, eat the dining hall and see the beautiful campus and go to the, the games. I think we played Oklahoma, lost that game. We played Duke my sophomore year at home. We lost that game. Oh my <laughs> that goodness. was really embarrassing. <laughs> um, um, but but before all that, um, you know, I was in elementary and middle school, uh, public school at, in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, of all places, when the BCS National Championship happened. And I had a choice. You know, I could root for Alabama and because it would be easier. And that's where I was. That's where everybody was pulling for, right? Where I could be a true Chad and root for, be the only Notre Dame fan the entire county, basically, um, you know, rooting for the Irish. Um, and, you know, of course, I ended up rooting for Notre Dame and, you know, wore my jersey at school and all that. And I got a lot of stick. A lot of kids made fun of me, especially after the beatdown by Alabama and the Manti Teo thing with the fake girlfriend. Uh, look that up if you don't know about that. It's pretty, it's pretty funny, honestly. He got catfished in the thinking that he was uh, dating this girl online. It was totally make it, made up. It was a guy like, you know, he got uh, bamboozled there. But, um, but yeah, um, you know, I think that experience um, made me a more independent person, being able to better advocate for my beliefs, not take things like that so seriously. Maybe I had to take it more seriously than than I should have. But I think now looking back, like, um, you know, it's, it's not a huge deal at the end of the day. And um, just being able to articulate my beliefs, um, you know, I have good reason to root for them and uh, s- stuck to my guns, so to speak. So uh, I'm proud of myself for um, going through that experience and coming better on the other side of it. Um, but yeah, Notre Dame comes secondary now because obviously I'm at Clemson, uh, but I still like Notre Dame a lot. I'll watch their games sometimes and I have um, time on Saturdays when I'm not watching um, soccer, of course, because uh, Wolves and Legion are also very important to me. But um, but yeah, I guess uh, I wanted to start with a little bit of previewing Clemson. I think the big headline right now is you know this huge question mark at quarterback because um, as we all know, last season was uh, pretty disappointing by Clemson standards. We hold uh, very high standards for the team um, in terms of performance and um, and what the fans and and the um, financiers want out of the team. And you know, ten and three season the ACC is just not good enough. And a lot of that criticism landed on uh, DJ Uagulele, um, the quarterback, and it's kind of hard to say. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got a strong build. He's a, he's a big guy. Um, but he, you know, misses the mark a lot of the time, you know, even on these shorter routes, um, you know, not giving the receiver even a chance sometimes to get the ball. Uh, he's not really a running threat at all. He's very slow um, east to west and honestly north to south as well. He's a, he was just a big early guy. Uh, but the good thing is in that respect, he's actually lost, um, you know, probably 40 pounds, I think, over the off season. So hopefully that will translate to better speed and better mobility in the pocket as well. So I'll be interested to see um, – hopefully some improvement in that area and just better um, with uh, the precision on the arm. Uh, Cause we, 
we definitely need that if we want to have a national championship caliber team, which I think should be the goal for the Clemson football program. Um, but we also have a true freshman named Cade Klubnik coming in. Um, and he's a very good talent, um, very well known for his arm strength. Um, and I'm going to just guess, I haven't really watched him play that much, but I'm going to guess that he's quicker um, than DJ. Yeah, not a very uh, high bar for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I've checked out a couple of articles here, and he's done very well in training camps. Um, and there's talk that he could absolutely play um, as a true freshman if needed. And um, the offensive coordinator, who's new, Brandon Streeter, um, said, quote, Kate has done an amazing job. He's done nothing but continue to get better and better and better, end quote. So, um, and he's, uh, you know, size comparison, uh, DJ's, what, 6'5", I think, and... Probably played at 270 last season, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 234 as of now, and uh, Klubnik is 6'2", 185, so actually that's a way too much more than I do. Um, so there's definitely size. There's a size difference there. Um, but I guess in terms of the rest of the team, we're turning pretty much everybody important to the uh, defensive line. Uh, that's going to be very, very important. Uh, challenging the line of scrimmage and making that first impression and leaving room for the linebackers and cornerbacks uh, and safeties to do their thing. Um, I also think we're going to be really solid in the secondary as well. I don't think we're going to have any major issues on the fence, especially considering that we have uh, considerable depth in those areas. Um, wide receiver, um, you know, we lost, uh, I think, one or two uh, pretty important players, but I think we'll be all right there. And I think kind of the same story for tight end. I know for um, running backs, we got a pretty good crew returning. Um, we have one second. We have Will Shipley, okay. yeah, Will Shipley, the um, true freshman from last year. He did an excellent job, and I think he was injured for a couple of weeks, but he came back. Uh, but he's uh, very fast and uh, explosive runner. Um, and then we also have, I think Rigby. There's some, maybe the other guy left. Um, but I guess the secondary running backs might be a little bit of a question mark. Um, we also have uh, Kevin McNeil, who went to my high school. So shout out to Kevin uh, returning, I believe, as a sophomore this season. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to see some playing time for him. But, yeah, I guess that's my rundown on Clemson. I guess the only thing I really forgot to mention was just uh, special teams. And the, the thing I, I, that comes to mind when I think the Clemson special teams is last year. We played UConn at home, and UConn went up 7-0 on, like, a 95-yard kickoff return. And I just remember watching the replay. I wasn't at the game, but I watched the replay, and they're running down the sideline. They've gotten past everybody, and they do this big high five right before the game. I in the wound. <laughs> and then, then they proceeded to lose, like, 56-7 to seven or whatever. But that was funny. That reminds me of a Alabama Ole Miss game from a couple years ago. I think Bama ended up winning the national title, but Ole Miss went up 7-0 on a kickoff return, and then Alabama scored like 25 seconds later. Oh, wow. Some people joke that Ole Miss led Bama for like basically two plays. <laughs> they didn't score again the rest of the game. But I watched I think- plenty of – Clemson football last season as well, just because I watched a lot of these really good teams play. And I'm very curious about the offensive coordinator switch because the Tony Elliott offense was really, really successful for so long. And obviously it was perfect when they had like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and like Travis Etienne, because it was a very heavy RPO based throws behind the line of scrimmage offense with lots of screens, slants, and then 
you had these two great deep ball throwers and these, you know, six, two to six, four wide receivers. And they threw a lot of these big jump balls down the field. And you had these tall rangy receivers that just, you know, use their extendo gadget arms and reach over these tiny corners. And it was lethal. And they boat raced Alabama with it. And no one in the ACC could stop it for so long. And then DJ shows up and they kind of just try and did, they tried the same stuff. It was pretty much the same offense as when Trevor was there. And it clearly didn't work. It's like you said, yeah. the accuracy issues were, were just a big problem. And the offensive line was a big problem. I mean, if you watch like the NC State and the Boston College games, like they had a really hard time blocking people. Just like the run game was very ineffective. And when they scored, it was kind of these just long, like slog drives where they kind of get these you know, first and 10 and second and long, they don't really get anything. They get some kind of cheese third down conversion and just march down the field that way. A very frustrating way to watch your team play offense. I have a feeling that Cade Klubnik is probably going to end up starting at some point this season because even DJ's lost weight, he's just... My comparison is he's a dollar general Jameis Winston (laughs) in terms of running and the arm talent. Yep, that's about right. At least he doesn't throw as many picks as Everett Coulson. Any Notre Dame fans out there understand the frustration when I say that. What does your schedule look like this season? I don't think they have any big non-conference games. So we have um, opening at Georgia Tech. Surprise, surprise. That'll be real real tough in Atlanta. Um, And then the next week we play Furman. Also, very tough, tough game. And then the next week, I'll be at the Furman game. I got tickets to five of the games this season. Um, yay. And then Louisiana Tech the next week. So, I mean, not- yeah, they, so they don't even have to show up on the field until uh, Wake Forest, <laughs> which is on the road. That is yeah. against a very, very good offense. Uh, they did lose their starting quarterback, Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman. He's out yeah. for at least a few weeks, if not the whole season. We don't really know what the issue is with Hartman. Apparently, it's not super serious, and it's not football-related injury. But, but they're also not being very descriptive about it. Yeah, we don't really know what's going on, but that's a trap game on the road early in the season. And then, obviously, the, the, the biggest game of the year for them is the next week, week five, home versus NC State, because I think those are the two best teams in the conference. Uh, what about Notre Dame? <laughs> I mean, that's not a conference game. I mean, it's so really important in terms of, like, making the playoff. And it's on the road. Prime time in November on NBC. That's going to be a huge game. They should both be ranked in the top ten for that. So, I think so that'll, that'll be, be a college game day in South Bend kind of day. Yeah, But I think Clemson, obviously, I mean, you know, making the playoff and being a national title contender is uh, really important. But... They just they got to get back to that conference championship game and assert dominance. And NC State, I think, is the biggest hurdle. I think that game is going to decide the conference, honestly, because the, the other division is just trash. <laughs> and then they have a home game against Miami, who they will probably play again for the ACC title. And I think Miami's probably a year away from being a real challenger. Honestly, I like I like Clemson's team a lot. I think their defense is going to be one of the best in the country. Actually, I think they might be the best statistically just because of the competition they're playing. I mean, their defensive line is just insane. They go like eight deep. They have eight guys that could start anywhere in the country. Brian Bercy is probably a top five player regardless of position. So yeah, they're that that defense is going to keep them in every single game, even if DJ is missing everything. <laughs> so That's what happened last season. I mean, when we much. played against teams like Boston College or Georgia, uh, pretty much almost all of our games, even NC State, I mean, the fence for the most part played lights out. I mean, they're always going to make mistakes. And if you put them on the field most of the game, uh, they're going to get tired. Uh, they, they were elite on defense. They were clearly the yeah. second best in the country after Georgia defensively. 
in terms of talent and production. And all their losses last year are about like one possession. So if you think like, all right, you know, you have a new scheme, you have, you know, a talented freshman quarterback that could, you know, really push and could get on the field if things need to happen that way. You kind of hope your offensive line has improved. I don't really know what the intel on that is, but that would be big if they did. And you could easily turn those three losses into three wins. I don't. I think twelve and zero is very realistic for Clemson this season. You just wonder if offensively they stack up to some of the other top teams. I I was reading an article from I think ESPN and. Uh, the over under is 10 and a half games and two of the uh, big commentator guys were going under uh, going for more like 10. I was like, wow, that's kind of, uh, I think, not I think 11 and one is probably the most realistic, but I don't really do the game by game record predictions. Cause you know, never really know what happens week to week. So for that, I do like the, the over unders for the wins. I think 10 and a half is probably correct. I think we'll go over. I could see us losing to, you know, Notre Dame. Yeah, one of those road games like Wake or Notre Dame is probably the scariest on the schedule. And and especially Notre Dame, it's a primetime game on the road. And if DJ is still starting, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. You could chalk that up as a likely loss. But I think we can move on to a new team. The other team will do an extended preview of that'll be the Alabama Crimson Tide, who are pretty much universally ranked number one in every single preseason poll, which kind of surprised me. I thought Ohio State would get more first place votes. And by the way, Clemson is fourth in the preseason AP poll. Yes. Mm -hmm. But Alabama, a lot to be excited about. They did lose players to the NFL, as they always do. And they lost some guys to the transfer portal. Some would say addition by subtraction in the case of Ajay Hall, who went to Texas. I guess the big offseason storylines, I mean, one is the receivers going to the NFL. So there's a lot of question marks at that position. But Alabama brought in five transfers who are really good players it's possible all five of them start or at least see significant playing time. They were all brought in from uh, Cal. Yeah, every single one from the same school in California. It's crazy, right? <laughs> I guess the, the team strengths obviously started quarterback. Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy, probably the best quarterback in the country. I mean, the offensive line was not good last year, and he was keeping that team above ground by himself. With an average player at that position, Alabama probably goes nine and three, honestly. He does not really get enough credit for completely hard carrying that team. Because, I mean, obviously receivers were elite, but man, they just, they had a really hard time with some of these front sevens like Georgia and AM. Talent at skill positions is really, really good. They brought in all these transfers at receiver. They got Jermaine Burton, who was the leading receiver at Georgia last year. And then they got Tyler Harrell from Louisville, who is an absolute speedster. He's a Henry Ruggs 4-2-40 kind of guy. Hopefully he's a more responsible driver. <laughs> and then at running back, they brought in Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who is absolutely electric. I mean, it's a shame he had to spend two years of that garbage program because he was by far <laughs> the best player at that team. He's really, really exciting. He's not the kind of bell cow sledgehammer that we're used to seeing the last 15 years at Alabama. It's going to be a committee approach for running back this year because you have Gibbs and Jason Cullen. Hopefully Trey Sanders is healthy, but Gibbs is going to get tons of touches and he's going to have his highlight reel is going to be ridiculous. I'll say that much. And he's been as advertised in fall camp so far. Uh, The edge positions, um, the pass rushers, you know, defensive ends, whatever you call it, they are absolutely elite. They have three players that would start anywhere in the country, and their starting duo of Will Anderson and Dallas Turner is as scary an edge duo as I have ever seen in college football, period. It's just it's just embarrassing. I don't know who's going to be able to block those two at once this season. It is absolutely terrifying. 
I mean, Will Anderson is probably the best player in college football, regardless of position. And I would say Dallas Turner, who's a true sophomore, is top 10. I mean, I could talk for like an hour about each of those guys and how good they are, but I won't. Just You've you'll know what I'm talking about if you watch an Alabama game. Just look for number 31 and look for 15. And they're going to be an absolute nightmare for quarterbacks the entire season. And if Especially one of them gets injured... Like Oh yeah, DJ would DJ would hate going against those guys. Holy <laughs> cow! That's why I think Texas is just going to get rocked because like they're starting two freshmen at offensive line, and then they got to block these two guys week two. It's just not fair. And then their third guy, Chris Braswell, is also a sophomore. He would start almost anywhere in the country outside maybe Georgia and Alabama. He's ridiculously talented. So depth is not really an issue there either. Uh, depth of defensive line is really good. They don't have any like household names that people would really know of. And they lost Fedarian Mathis to the NFL, but Bama feels really, really good about what they have at that position. And then the safeties and the star, which is their nickel defender, they are elites. They got all their safeties. They got their star back. They're going to be really, really good there. So honestly, a lot of team strengths, the question marks are very apparent, but I think not as scary as some people make it out to be. Obviously, people are harping on these young receivers because they basically lost the title game against Georgia by dropping passes over and over again in the second half after Jamison Williams went out. Ajay Hall, who was the biggest offender, is gone. Thankfully, he's at Texas and causing people headaches there. So... Enjoy them while you can, Longhorns fans. The one young receiver who's really made a name for himself in camp is Treshawn Holden. Apparently, he's getting rave reviews. He's probably going to end up starting. And it's just good to see someone get a lot of hype of those young receivers because someone's got to really step up and be a star player. So hopefully, Treshawn can be that guy. We have a revamped offensive line. The three interior line starters from last year are all back. That's Cohen, McLaughlin, and Ekior. And then we got two new tackles. Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt transfer, who's actually good. I know Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt, but this guy, I mean, Bama wouldn't take him if he was bad, you know? And we got a five-star sophomore, J.C. Lay, that is the right tackle. And then people are talking a lot about the corner, the cornerbacks, Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to be one of the starters, probably true sophomore, very talented. And then the transfer from LSU, Eli Ricks, and the Juco transfer, Kyrie Jackson, are um, they're going to be battling for the other corner spot. And they're both talented players. Uh, Apparently, Ricks has had a bit of a disappointing fall camp, has had some injury issues. I think it's possible he doesn't start week one, but we'll probably see him more as we go into the season. But I think Bama is just ridiculously loaded. I, I kind of wish they weren't ranked number one just to kind of tamper expectations. But, I mean, it's it's hard to not look at this roster and think, like, who besides Ohio State and Georgia it, is going to be able to compete with this. And then what I'm most excited for for Alabama is their third and long nickel package when they have Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell and Byron Young all rushing the passer at the same time. Have fun, especially Mississippi State, because they don't help their tackles at all. No tight ends, no backs to block. It's just five line on the rushers. It's going to be a massacre. They're going not to worry about that game Asia. at all. <laughs> so that's I the roster preview for Bama. Um, do you have any oh. comments about Alabama? <laughs> That's from a well, neutral I have a perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question for you. Um, so, you know, a lot of times in the past, kickers have been a problem, and I hearken back to the infamous kick six. So, what do you yes, have to say? Very about traumatic the, moment for the me. Kicker, the kicking situation this year at Alabama. They're fine. They have Will Reichert. I think he's a junior now. He's he's a quality kicker. He's quite good. So. He took a step back last year. He was really good as a freshman, very consistent. He missed some surprising kicks last year. I think he missed a couple extra points too. So hopefully he doesn't regress further. Maybe the Alabama kicking woes will continue in that way. But as it stands now, I'm not worried at all. 
we got some Australian guy who's our punter. Um, Injury-wise, no major injuries in camp. JoJo Earl, who's our kick returner and likely slot receiver starter, is going to be out for a few weeks. But that's all I've seen on that one. Schedule-wise, I think the SEC West is by far the most loaded division at college football this season. 247 Sports does their power ratings where they basically evaluate roster talent and they make their top 25 based on that. All seven SEC West teams are in their top 25. Wow. Even Mississippi State. Even Mississippi State. So even though the preseason rankings and like the AP and coaches pool don't reflect it, the, the West is loaded. And watching the teams play last year and seeing what they did in the transfer portal, every single team is better than they were last year, except Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is still good. So every week's a tough week. They start against Utah State at home. Utah State won 10 or 11 games last year. They're not a nursing home, but I mean, it's Utah State, come on. Week two, what everyone's talking about at Texas, because former Bama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian's the head coach. Texas fans won't shut up about all the transfers they got from Bama and their new shiny quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who is the highest rated high school quarterback since Vince Young, period, anywhere in the country, not just Texas. So a lot of Texas fans think they have a chance. I think they will score points on Bama. <laughs> they, are, they have a ton of talent on offense, especially at skill positions. But Texas has depth issues. They're starting freshmen on offensive line. And one of their starting receivers just got a season-ending injury in camp. So um, I, don't think, I don't think Texas has any chance in that one. And I still think Texas is a, a pretty decent team. I have been ranked in my Chewy poll, which we'll get to later. They get Vanderbilt from the East, which is nice, I guess, just free low. Honestly, they're worse than Utah State. So our first four weeks of the season are – just a snoots fest, pretty much. Although beating up Texas will be fun. Then it gets hard. We go at Arkansas, who I have rated in my top 10. I think Arkansas is legit. I think they're better than last year. And we we almost lost to Arkansas last year at home. So I think that's our hardest game of the season, honestly. That's going to be a real test. And then home versus Texas A&M, and that's going to be a big one for all the off-season storylines and the beef between the coaches. At Tennessee, and Tennessee's a good team this year, so that one is a tough road game. Home versus Mississippi State, that's a bad matchup for Mississippi State. That's going to be a massacre. At LSU, prime time at Ole Miss, which is tough, and then we get Auburn at home. So Tougher schedule than it looks on paper. But, yeah, I think 11 or 12 wins, bare minimum, for sure. Anything stand out to you? Um, not too much. I think they are bringing back yet another really solid team. And they, you know, sent all these players to the NFL, but still managed to get another great they squad. Reload, yeah. Yeah, that transfer portal. It's it's really changed how these teams can reload. And you know, I don't think – I didn't plan on going into the transfer portal or the NIL stuff in this podcast because it would be way too long if we did, and there's certainly a lot of opinions you can have on that. So we'll save that for another time. Just focus on the on-the-field product. So what shall we do first? Shall we do the Chudy poll or the uh, conference predictions? Let's do the Chudy poll. The Chudy poll. All right. So a little background on the Chudy poll at just my top 25 teams. Now, the basis for these rankings, it's not where I think these teams will finish this season. It's just based on their roster talent, um, the veterancy of their coaching staff and stuff like that. Like, just what are the 25 most talented teams in the country? So it's not really like... Like Arkansas could go eight and four this season. I have them in my top 10. And no, an eight and four team wouldn't be ranked in the top 10 at the end of the season by one of the big polls. But I just think Arkansas is one of the 10 best teams. I don't think a team like 
Oklahoma is better than that right now. But anyway, we'll start at the top and work down. And I'm, I'll throw in some little tidbits and justifications along the way, but I'll try and make it quick because no one likes hearing someone talk nonstop for like 15 minutes. So here we go. Top five is Alabama at one, then Ohio State, Georgia, Utah, and Michigan at five. I think the top three is kind of consensus everywhere. I'm a little higher on Utah than most people at four. I think they're the clear favorite in the Pac-12. I really like what they have offensively, and they're bringing back most of their starters from last year. Lots of returning production. One of the most veteran coaching staffs in the entire country with Kyle Whittingham. They have a very good underrated quarterback in Cam Rising. They have two of the best tight ends in the country. And they lost two star linebackers to the NFL. One was a first-round draft pick. But the team feels really, really good about their new linebackers. They have good depth at defense. I think their biggest question mark will be at receiver. And maybe some on the back end on the safeties. But overall, I really like this roster a lot. I think they're just a very good team. It's just kind of like when things come together for a team. And they can have that really great season as a tier two program. Like we've seen Auburn do it. Michigan was like that last year. AM a couple of years ago in 2020. So I think this could be a year like that for Utah. I'm very high on them. Michigan at five. People are lower on Michigan. I think they're eighth in the AP poll. Uh, power ratings love Michigan. I've seen them as high as four. And they would have been favored against last year's team by these power rating systems. And it's really because the offense, they really like what they have on offense. There's a big quarterback battle right now. Both are very good players. Uh, McNamara who started last year. Dylan McCaffrey, who's like the backup dual threat guy. They lost a lot of NFL talent on defense, but the offense should really take a step forward. They have arguably the best offensive line in America. Their schedule is hard. They do have an early season road game at Iowa. In Iowa, when they're actually ranked high and have a lot to play for, very dangerous, and then they inevitably be, they inevitably get crushed by like Ohio State and go nine and three. But I mean, <laughs> no one wants to play a top five, six, no Iowa at Iowa. So Michigan's hoping for a prime or a noon kickoff, not a prime time kickoff. That would be unpleasant. Next in the shooting pool, I have Clemson at six, Texas A&M seventh, Arkansas eighth, Baylor ninth, Oklahoma tenth. Clemson, I have a little lower than some people just because of the questions at quarterback and offensive line. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, but I think they could easily be in the top four or three at the end of the season. No question if they figure those things out. AM at seven, they have the top five roster talent. It's really about the quarterback play and generating explosive plays on offense. They were 11th in the SEC in 20-plus yard plays last year, only ahead of Vanderbilt. But the defense is elite. It's going to be top five in the country, especially on the defensive line. Offensive line and their running backs are the best in the conference. This team is very, very dangerous. I think they'll end up in more close games than people think. But they are a legit threat in the SEC. And if, if Bama stumbles against Arkansas and AM, you know, maybe upsets Bama again or whatever, like there's scenarios where AM can end up in Atlanta playing for an SEC title and crashing the playoff. So don't ignore the Aggies. Arkansas at eight is my most controversial placing of any team, I think. <laughs> I might get some disagreement. I know Drew, when he first saw it, was a little eyeball raising involved. I think people are overreacting to their star player, Traylon Burks, leading for the NFL. They got two really good transfers at receiver, Jaden Hazelwood, a five-star from Oklahoma. They got a Toledo transfer, Matt Landers, who's looked even better than Hazelwood in camp, and the team is really excited about that guy. They also have some seniors returning in that position. The offensive line and the secondary are very, very good. They have a star quarterback in K.J. Jefferson, who's a great runner and just sort of Cam Newton-esque, obviously not saying he's as good, but that's play style. And extremely well coached with Sam Pittman. He's an offensive line coach. They're always the best with the fundamentals. And they played Bama so close last year. I mean, they got waxed by Georgia. 
which was a bad matchup for them. But I really like Arkansas's team this year. The schedule is a bit more favorable. They do have an interesting mid-season non-conference game against BYU that I'm a bit interested in because BYU's BYU is a good team this year. They returned like, like 20 starters. Yeah. I, I normally don't really rate BYU very highly, but I think they have a legit team this year. That's a road game for Arkansas, too, in Utah in October. And they start the season at home versus Cincinnati. So, But they got fortunate with drawing teams out of the SEC East, so I think they could have a really good conference season. I like Arkansas a lot. Baylor at nine, they return a bajillion starters. They're the Big 12 champions. Defense is going to be awesome. They have quarterback figured out. They're fine. Oklahoma, new coaching staff. They hired Brent Venables from Clemson, longtime defense coordinator. Lost a ton of players to the transfer portal, including their quarterback to USC. But I think Venables is a great coach. I think the defense will be improved. But it's just hard to imagine Oklahoma finishing better than like 10 and 2. Because first year coaching staffs, it's you're looking for the year two or the year three leap. So, yeah, any I reflections put, uh, on my top ten? I've UVA at number nineteen because they got Tony Elliott, the new head coach. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, the new head coach diff. You're really counting on that at week one or that year one <laughs> surprise. I'm, I'm it just can happen. Surprising. Yeah. So the next five teams, 11th, Notre Dame, 12, Penn State, 13, Tennessee, 14, North Carolina State, 15, Miami. Notre Dame has another first-time head coach in Marcus Freeman. People around campus seem to really like the guy. He's killing it in recruiting. They have the number two class right now. The roster overall, it seems like they're just pretty good everywhere and not really elite anywhere except maybe offensive line. They've had some injuries in camp. They had a safety transfer from Northwestern. I think he got a season-ending injury or something, and he was supposed to start. And they have a – I think they have a quarterback battle too. But, I mean, it's Notre Dame. You expect 10 wins a season. They have a road game at Ohio State week one. That's going to be a, a big test for them. I'm not really expecting very much. But outside of that – Because, they, like, Ohio State last year – you know, they kind of almost gaffed against Oregon. Um, you know, Oregon traveled yeah. you know, for an early game. I remember that game. I watched the whole thing. Yep. And Ohio State, to be fair, they were a completely different team at the end of the season. They got so much better after the Oregon game. But, yeah, it, we could see a similar scenario. And even a few years ago, but more than a few years, but Ohio State was ranked number one. And Virginia Tech went in there and beat them week one. And then Ohio State ended up winning the national championship. So, so perhaps uh, history of Rocky starts. Yeah, the Buckeyes have a habit of dropping yeah. games at home early in the season, non-conference. I don't know why. Anyway, Penn State at 12. I think this is – I think Penn State is not ranked in the AP poll, which surprises me. They're a good team. They brought back a lot of good players from last season. People forget that their redshirt senior quarterback, Sean Clifford, was injured almost all of last season in the Iowa game, which they lost. Power ratings have Penn State as high as number 10. They lost their star receiver to the NFL, Jahan Dotson, but they bring in a great transfer from Western Kentucky to replace him. Intel says that Mitchell Tinsley is going to be a breakout star at receiver. And... Of course, it's James Franklin at Penn State. They have so much talent on defense. Their edge player named Chuck Robinson looks like a breakout star. That's what we're seeing on the beat. And he has a great name, so I hope he ends up being as good as advertised. Tennessee at 13, I'm also higher on them because I think it's year two under Josh Heupel, year three. They have the offense figured out. They're going to score bunches of points. They had a lot of success against Georgia and Alabama last year in the first half of those games, moving the ball and actually getting touchdowns. Just the defense has to improve. And we'll see if they can. I'm not going to guarantee they will. But from what I've seen and read from the Tennessee beats and stuff, they are very encouraged 
by the progress their defense is making in training camp. So I think a lot to be excited about for the volunteers fans. They have hope for the first time in about 15 years. They have not beaten Nick Saban since like 2006, but he wasn't even there in 2006. So they haven't beat Alabama in like 16 years. So they might get one of their better chances here. NC State at 14, we talked about them a little bit earlier, returning so many starters. They beat Clemson last year. I think they're clearly the second best team in the ACC. And then Miami 15, some knucklehead, I think it was Brett McMurphy, ranked them fourth in his AP poll. I don't know what he was smoking, but I want some of that South Florida snow, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Got him feeling that good. But lots of hype for their quarterback. He's getting preseason Heisman talk, Tyler Van Dyke. I think the defense, though, is the strength of that team. They've got some really good, talented, like freshmen, sophomores, and a new coach, Maya Cristobal. And it's Miami. They recruit really well. There's actually, you know, talent on the roster that he inherited. It should be good. They should easily win their division. It's just a matter if they're going to go like 10 and 2 and lose the ACC title game, or if they can go like, 12 and one and be a playoff threat. I'm kind of leaning towards the former. Any reactions to those next five? Um, How do you feel about I the Notre Dame? Be so high on Tennessee. I think they have a history of being very overrated in the preseason rankings and then getting kind of a blood rate. Okay. The There's the one year they were ranked in the top 10 and then it went poorly after that. But I'm a believer. We got like blown out by Oklahoma a few years ago. Yeah. On opening day. And, yeah, that's my new. Yeah, they were very overrated. Well, I will take the L on the chin if Tennessee goes five and seven. <laughs> Next 16, Oklahoma State, 17, USC, 18, Wisconsin, 19, Michigan State, 20, Ole Miss. Oklahoma State, big 12 runner-up, returns a lot of production. I think their quarterback is just too inconsistent, unreliable to be ranked higher than this. If you watch the big 12 title game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. USC at 17, I'm lower on them. I've seen people have them like in the top 10 or top five of their polls. The depth is very, very concerning. They're like two injuries away from being an 8-4 team. And I know they paid Lincoln Riley $100 million to go there, and they got his quarterback, Caleb Williams. They got Jordan Addison, the Pittsburgh Bolitnikoff winner, transferred in at receiver. I think they're not deep enough, and I think their defense is not good enough. I think they're a 9-3 and type of team. And especially in November, if the injuries start piling up, they're going to have a hard time with some of the teams in their conference. So... I think they, they could make the Pac-12 title game because the new format. So the Pac-12 abolished divisions. It's just top two play for the title. So I think USC will probably, it'll be them or Oregon against Utah. That's my prediction for that. Wisconsin at 18. I mean, Wisconsin's so boring. What do you even say about Wisconsin? They're just always okay. Michigan State 19, I think they'll regress a little bit from last season. Ole Miss at 20, I feel the same way about Ole Miss. I don't really think they got better. I think they'll drop more games in conference than they did last year because the other teams just got better. And then 21, Oregon, 22, Kentucky, 23, LSU, 24, Texas, 25, Mississippi State. Lots of SEC teams down there. I kind of agree with the power ratings. I think their rosters are all very strong. I like Kentucky a lot. They have a great quarterback, a veteran coaching staff, and then we'll see about Texas, I guess. Other teams to watch that I'm not ranked but could prove me wrong are BYU, Nebraska, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Iowa. Those are some, those could be some poll crashers early in the season. So that's the Chudy poll, top 25. Well done. Yes, very well done. I guess you didn't really make a poll yourself, but um, I guess outside of Tennessee and Arkansas, 
I guess you might have Clemson higher than I did. Uh, I'm kind of a Utah fanboy. I, I think where they are now is fine at number four in the AP poll. I think that's have, really they have a lot to prove. You could just say, like, oh, yeah, they're Clemson. They recruit really well. They're super talented on defense. They have all these five stars on offense. Like, of course, they should be in the top five, you know. But I think the play last year left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I agree. But let's keep it moving. Let's go into the conference predictions. I think we'll start from the weakest and go to the strongest. So one group of five conference to talk about is the American Conference. It's pretty much a two-horse race between Cincinnati and Houston. Cincinnati lost like a dozen players to the NFL. I mean, they just had, in terms of a program like Cincinnati, a once-in-50-year type of team last year. I think they're going to take a big step back. It's just a matter of anyone in that conference can compete with them because nobody could last year. was even close. Not even asking you. I think the conference is just very weak. Uh, It just, you know, you have these teams that have the occasional 10 win season. Maybe they get ranked, maybe they go 11 and 1. Like Memphis has had a couple of years like that in the past. Houston. Tulsa. Tulsa. Past few years. Like they've been a respectable program, right? But it just putting together. A 10-11 win season and taking care of business in conference. I think Cincinnati is just too well coached. They're doing well with the transfer portal. It's an attractive place to play now. So I don't really see anyone competing with Cincinnati in the American Conference. On to the Pac-12. Remember, no more divisions. So it's just you're picking your top two. I have Utah and USC, then Oregon third, UCLA fourth, Washington fifth and of course Arizona in last it's kind of a three-way race for the bottom with Arizona, Cal, and Colorado they're all just terrible Vandy levels of bad I think there's a clear pecking order though in that conference but it can be weird I don't know UCLA to me is kind of a sleeper they could surprise people the Chip Kelly team what about the Sun Belt? The Sun Belt. I think Coastal Carolina and App State, kind of the class of that one. Yeah, I agree. And interestingly, North Carolina, I think, has a road game against Appalachian State this season. So that's a that'll be a real barometer for how App State's doing. Because they made the jump from FCS not long ago and they've been a very capable team in that conference. I think they they either won it or they got they they tied with Coastal Carolina in like 2020 or something. I think the championship game got canceled. That's what happened, and they split the title. So App State's a real program, and Coastal Carolina's coach is still there. Same guy who brought them the relevance. So they're exciting. Big 12 time. There were no divisions there either. It's just your top two teams. I have Baylor and Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, though, is going to be right there. It could be a rematch of last year's Big 12 title game. And that's not something you'd really expect in a conference with Oklahoma and Texas. I have Texas fourth. And then TCU, I think people are really sleeping on TCU. I have them fifth in the conference preseason. People are really excited around that program. They just they made a Long overdue coaching change. They brought in a lot of good transfers. People really like what they have, both sides of the ball. And then as much as I wanted to have Kansas take a leap forward, my Jayhawks are still going to be last. They made some great progress last season. The new coach is a winner. They finally benched Jason Bean for a real quarterback. But they're, they're a year away from leaving the cellar, I think. I think Jason Bean should should transfer out and switch positions to a slot receiver or something like that, where his running talent could be better utilized. 
Yeah, that dude has some serious wheels. Just kind of the whole throwing part that's really held him back. Well, he did. He did one of the things that you suggested, and that was transfer. <laughs> he is yeah. the starting quarterback at North Texas that got announced recently. So good for him. He found a job somewhere else. But the new guys, I think his name is like Jalen Daniels. Not to be confused with Jaden Daniels, who plays at LSU. He might be their quarterback there. They, I think they'll probably go like two and ten, three and nine ish, which is still above the norm for Kansas. I think they can continue to take baby steps forward. And if the coach Lance Leopold gets a real culture going there, they'll get the transfers to start doing well in state with their recruiting. And you know, they can be a consistent four and eight team. And that would be like a golden age for Kansas. That's something to look forward to as a Jayhawk stand. And their rival Kansas State, or people are actually talking about them. They're getting a little bit of hype too. I'll believe it when I see it. Big Ten time, a conference that Notre Dame should really be a part of, but they're not. In the West, I have Wisconsin winning the division. I think Iowa and Nebraska are legit challengers, but I think Wisconsin's overall roster depth is just too much, and Nebraska has a lot to prove. There's kind of the meme where they were the best three and nine team of all time because they lost six games by like six or fewer points last year. That was Iowa, Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're right. They almost beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma. I think it was a road game, and they almost beat them. I, I, I mean, remember watching that game. I, I did too. They finally got rid of Adrian Martinez. He has transferred somewhere else. I forgot where. Nebraska State. Nebraska State, maybe. They brought in Casey Thompson, who started 10 <laughs> games for Texas last year. Like Casey think? Thompson, he's like, he's an upgrade, but he's definitely not a world beater at the position. You're going to have some of the same frustrations if you're a Nebraska fan, just like, Less egregious because AJ Martinez was terrible. I mean, that's not sugarcoated. He's he's just not a quarterback. He can run. He's a big arm. But I mean, how do you think Grace's team will do? The Hoosiers. Yes, Grace, my sister, who goes to Indiana University. I have them finishing last in the Big Ten East. Oh no! It's gonna be a, a rough year for them. They're. <laughs> I'm telling Even you now, they are, they're not going to have fun. Yeah. Oh, dude, Rutgers, people are sleeping on Rutgers, man. Greg Shiata's back, and look, he's a terrible human being, but he's a type of a football coach. He turned that program around in a hurry. That was a 0-8 Big Ten conference team, and now they're like, they went like 4-4 four and four in conference last year. It's kind of put up or shut up time for Maryland, too. They need to beat one of those good teams. Because they get tons of hype. The Big Ten East, totally loaded. They have three of my top 10 teams, or top 12, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. I have Ohio State winning that. I think Ohio State is better than they were last year, honestly. They're going to be really, really, really scary. And that's losing two first-round wide receivers. Very talented team. I think Notre Dame should replace, like, Maryland or Northwestern. And join a real conference. Yeah. But anyway, ACC time, Drew's area of expertise. I have Clemson winning the Atlantic. I have Miami winning the Coastal. I think the Coastal Division is trash. It is so trash that I have Virginia Tech finishing fourth. <laughs> what about I think you? Virginia Tech is going to surprise some people year one with Brent Pry. He got hired away from Penn State. He was the defensive coordinator for James Franklin for a very long time. He's actually been on James Franklin's coaching staff since Vanderbilt back in those days, and Vanderbilt was a real program. They finally got rid of their quarterbacks who can't throw spirals, and they brought in Grant Wells, transferred from Marshall, who can actually like throw a football. He really, really likes what he's doing. He just got named the starter. Honestly, the starting 22 on that team is quite good. Just depth is a real problem. I mean, they just they have nothing. So many guys transferred out. And I think the defense will be pretty good. 
Their best player is defensive lineman Norrell Pollard. I'm a big fan of his. He kind of carried the team last year. Carried us in. They went like four and eight, but, you know. Who do you think will finish last? In the I have Virginia coastal. finishing last in the Coastal. Ooh. I might be a little biased because I'm a Virginia Tech fan and I went there. We all have strong distaste for the Virginia Cavaliers. I have Syracuse finishing last in the Atlantic. I actually think they're the worst team in the conference. Oh, goodness. That's saying something. He got Georgia Tech and Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So you think Duke will go 9-3? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying Duke is going to go... I mean, it's take your pick, right? It's a three-way round-robin of sadness between Georgia Tech, Duke, and Virginia for last in that division. So one, of the, one or two or three of those teams are going 3-9. and nine. They'll probably be a three-way tie for last. That's what I'm thinking. And then in the SEC which I think overall is stronger than it was last year, top to bottom, except Vanderbilt. I have Georgia winning the East, Tennessee second, Kentucky third, South Carolina fourth, Florida fifth, Missouri sixth, and Vanderbilt. Again, I'm kind of drinking the orange Tennessee puke inside of a pumpkin orange Kool-Aid, but I believe, I think Kentucky is most likely, though, to overhaul Tennessee and finish second. I like what Kentucky has. And then South Carolina is getting a lot of hype. They brought in Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, the much uh, controversial quarterback. But they've got some other transfers. It's year two under Shane Beamer. You know the year two leap these teams make. So I think there's reason to be excited in Columbia, South Carolina. They're still going to lose by 30 against Clemson, though. And then Florida is just in a tailspin. They have no depth, new coaching staff, unproven quarterback. I think it's going to be a a hard year to be a Gators fan. In the West, all seven power rated in the top 25 by numerous power ratings outlets, including Auburn. But I have Alabama first, Texas A&M second, Arkansas third, then Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Oh, that's a big oof for my brother. He's now fresh. Big oof, yeah. I mean, I think (laughs) Auburn is actually more talented than people think. They could finish above, like, LSU or something. I don't really know what to expect from LSU because your favorite coach, Brian Kelly, is down there with a reasonably talented roster. And their quarterback battle is ongoing between Arizona State transfer Jaden Daniels and I think true sophomore Garrett Nussmeyer. Nussmeyer is like obviously more talented. It's kind of like Club Nick Uyagalale situation where Jaden Daniels is a better runner. He's more experienced. But I mean, Nussmeyer has some pretty serious arm talent. So we'll see how that ends up going. I think Nussmeyer will end up starting late in the year. I have a friend at LSU playing at the kicker spot, Trey Finneson. Is he going to start? Is he the guy? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully so. He transferred from Northwestern. Nice. Oh, so these are all serious about getting on an SEC roster. I like it. Yeah. Well, those are my conference predictions. I'm not really going to do a playoff prediction because that's just hard and kind of boring because, you know, you kind of have – you put in Alabama and Ohio State and then it's just kind of whatever. You can make a prediction after week 14. I'll do it after week 14, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm a super fan of college football. I watch it 10 hours a day every Saturday during the season. I keep up with all the teams and stuff, so – Definitely an armchair fan where he's like, oh, why aren't they doing middle screens to counter this defensive alignment on second and long? Like, I'm one of those people. (laughs) Uh, You're a special breed, Charles. A special breed, a rare breed. (laughs) Well, let us know what you think of our predictions and our outlook. And if my shooty poll is too controversial, having Arkansas in the top 10. 
Are you going to get canceled for your chewy poll? I'm going to get canceled for the chewy poll. <laughs> that is for certain, having Clemson too low. Any closing <laughs> <Yeah>. remarks? <laughs> um, just go sports ball and excited go for the sports season. ball. <laughs> go. I'd like to do a Premier League episode at some point. There's a lot of action happening there right now. Yeah, a lot of transfers, a lot of uh, big teams going down. The the smaller guys getting a, very exciting. A I, I was at, I was seeing my parents for a couple of weeks, and I got to watch two Manchester United games that they both lost: the Brentford <laughs> yeah. and the Brighton and Hove. That was quality entertainment. Makes us really happy. <laughs> oh yeah. They get thrashed by Brentford for like now. I understand how people feel when like Alabama loses. <laughs> yeah. So when when Nick Saban is long gone after his twenty thirty contract is up and they start going six and six every year, then you know maybe people will start feeling bad. That's a long time away. <laughs> we have yeah, to we got we got lots of Darth Saban still on the horizon but thank you everybody for listening we'll probably do another football podcast at some point during or after the season who knows or we'll leave it in with some of the other episodes because we love college football so much as always thank you again for watching and we'll see you next time peace out